I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today I am joined in LA by my co-host Joe from back in London, and we are very excited to have a special guest with us as well. He's the man behind CroatianSports.com, a fellow Southern Californian like myself, and he's actually our show's most prolific guest. Making his fourth appearance, we welcome Ante Kvartic to the United Mates Football Podcast, Speaking of the number four, something that comes around every four years is the Euros. And that's what we're going to be speaking about today, specifically England versus Croatia. And we're just going to ignore the fact that Euro 2020 actually took five years to come around and that it's taking place in 2021. But anyway, Ante, welcome back. How are you doing? What's up, boys? Kai, Joe, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, we, we meet again, we meet again. And, and I think it's fitting. It, it feels like it's, it's every other year. Um, you know, Croatia's meeting England in some capacity, Joe, uh, sorry about the Spurs. Uh, I haven't talked to you since that, uh, since that Zagreb match, since that Orsic hat trick at, uh, at Maksimir. But, uh, I think you guys are going to have to put me on payroll soon. I think, uh, I think it's time. I think it's time. Yeah. No one's even come close. I think maybe, maybe one other person has been on twice, but you're, you're way out in front. Um, otherwise, Joe, Spurs are replacing Mourinho with the man who failed to do the job that Mourinho has just gone to Roma to do. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm good, thanks. I don't, know, I don't know how good that piece of news makes me, but he sounds like a bit of a character, Paolo Fonseca. So we'll see. It's not been announced yet, but it sounds like it's probably going to be him. But Obviously, well, fortunately for me, we're not talking about Spurs today. After, after the whole Spurs versus Zagreb debacle, I think let's just <laughs> we can leave Spurs now for the rest of this episode. But um, Ante, you, you know the drill by now. You've come on this podcast a few times. But for anyone that doesn't, we always ask our guest an icebreaker question to kick off the, the podcast. And unsurprisingly, it's all Euros related today. So... I'm going to ask Ante a question, but I'll answer it first. And then Kai will, so he has time to, to think of an answer. But the question is, what is your favourite Euros memory? Mine, and I'm not just saying this because of the theme of this episode, it actually was watching England, Croatia back in Euro 2004. We won 4-2. Wayne Rooney, a very young Wayne Rooney, had a, had a brilliant game. He scored a couple of goals. And I just remember it... Um, being a very enjoyable evening and it was a really strong England team and probably should have done better in that tournament that played that night. Kai, how about you? What is your favourite Euros memory? It's going to come from the same tournament. Of course, I remember that that fixture that you're talking about. England came out on the right side of the result that day. I think Rooney had also scored a brace against Switzerland in the tournament too. So kind of the, the dawn of Wayne Rooney on the international scene. Otherwise, I actually went to that tournament in Portugal, um, but I was unfortunate 
to see, I think, the one group game that we didn't win, which would have been against France, uh, when Zidane scored twice to turn things around and we lost 2-1. But my favorite Euros memory still comes from that trip. I remember being out at some night market in Lisbon and I managed to spill a guy's beer over a balcony, whatever the setup was. And as you know, like a young 10 year old kid who spilled a stranger's drink in a foreign country, I was quite, quite anxious at first, but then we all sort of watched as the beer fell off this balcony, landed on like a roof below and began to funnel. Uh, it was like a corrugated roof. So it begins to funnel downwards and it, it spills off of the top of this roof onto a kid's head who kind of, as it spills onto him, looks up at us from many stories above in, in surprise and we're all laughing. So I just remember feeling like I'd gotten away with one. That's collateral damage. Hey, at these tournaments, when you go into the, the, the France's and the Portugal's, wherever the tournament's being hosted, collateral damage, they know what they're getting. And that's, uh, trust me, that's, 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 uh, that's small dice compared to uh, other stuff I've seen at these tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we feel bad, I guess, for the innocent kid. But like you said, that's, that's part of the experience, maybe. And it certainly yeah, worked out in my favor rather than having an angry man, at some kid who just spilled their beer. Otherwise, um, Ante, if you want to jump in with, with your favorite Euros memory. I mean, we've had a few, but um, I'm going back to 2008 round of 16. No, I'm sorry, quarterfinal game against Turkey. It's nil nil throughout the whole thing. I'm watching this on TV. And Ivan Klasnich, who's been brought up uh, in trivia between us before, scores a 119th minute header against Turkey. We think we're going to the semis to play Germany, who we already beat in the tournament. Um, and that was just complete euphoria for about 90 seconds until Turkey scored a leveler in the last kick of the game and then beat us in, in, uh, in, uh, in penalties. But I mean, that was completely euphoric going, oh, we're going to the semis, which is huge. But to top that, I was actually in Bordeaux at Euro 2016, five years ago. I was in the stadium for Ivan Perisic's game winner against Spain to top the group. Outside of that, going to the stadium's awesome, especially when your team wins. There's nothing about that. But hanging out in the town square in, in Bordeaux with thousands and thousands of Croatians from all over the planet, drinking, lots of drinking, singing, sharing stories. Uh, I just got chills right now it's magical. It's magical. And it doesn't matter if you're Croatian or if you're English or if you're Italian or Spanish. I mean, that's, uh, that's what this is all about. I mean, you're, 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 I was talking to people from Australia, from Germany, from Canada, from New Zealand, from all over the place, just sharing stories. And that's, that's why this is the beautiful game. It's really connecting people. And for everyone watching that has not been to an international tournament, obviously this is a weird year you have to go not, not just on your bucket list, but you should be going every two or four years world cup or wherever, because that's, that's when you start talking to, you know, your countrymen and country women. And, and I mean that, like I said, I just got chills right now. That is what these tournaments are all about. You should be a like brand ambassador for, for the euros. You sold it, sold it very well, but you also of I, course referred to the fact that it is going to be a bit different this time around with COVID restrictions and I guess kind of the, the international nature of the, the tournament. I, I had to dump my tickets. I was going to be, I had tickets for Scotland and Scotland's been on my list. Maybe I would have visited Joe coming through Heathrow, um, nice. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, you know, I had, I had tickets and, and everything, but you have to dump them because you don't know if you're going to get in the stadium at the end of the day. And, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to bug it. So uh, I was on my list, but drinking with the Scots, after playing Scotland and, 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 you know, it, it's just magical. And then when you actually make friends with the, with the people that, you know, the country that you're, you're playing against, I mean, 
I mean, you, I've made lifelong, I've made lifelong friends that I still speak to, even though we're on, we're on two sides of the coin right now. I consider you guys friends and that's what it's all about. Well, we definitely consider you one of our friends as well, Ante, and we're, we're glad to hear you say that. We're actually, Joe and I, going to be uh, heading to a wedding in Scotland uh, probably a year or so from now, so we'll, we'll promise to get plenty of drinking done in your honor um, up there. <laughs> Otherwise, we're recording this podcast on Thursday, the day before the Euro 2020 tournament starts, and a few days ahead of England and Croatia's Group D opener on Sunday. Uh, before we get into the actual fixture itself, I want us to quickly run through the two nation squads and see how we all feel about those. If there are any names that were surprised made the cut or those that were left out even. And uh, I guess we can take a look and see where we think weaknesses in the starting 11s might be. So I'll throw out a bunch of names of these sort of like problem and solution players from England's squad. And I'm curious to see if Joe agrees with what I have to say. So beginning with the keepers, I think that they're all a potential weakness. <laughs> Jordan Pickford seems to be the number one and he has not been particularly convincing in an England or an Everton shirt uh, for a few seasons now. The other guys who came along are Dean Henderson, who kind of didn't finish the season particularly well with Manchester United. And then Sam Johnson, who had a good season but was relegated with West Brom. So I think that that's kind of a, a problem area for England. Likewise, the centre-back position. Um, the likes of Connor Cody and Tyrone Mings have come along. And then obviously Harry Maguire did make the squad, but injury looks as though it might put him out of the starting 11 for at least the beginning of the tournament we'll see about that otherwise moving on to midfield I think Phil Foden is we were talking about Rooney at Euro 2004 he's kind of the the equivalent at this time I think he could be a player to take his reputation to even higher heights than he has this season with City uh, likewise Jude Bellingham who's playing in Germany um, is a young player probably the youngest in the squad who who I think is going to be a crucial player in that midfield along with Declan Rice who I think has kind of a make-or-break summer on the cards with talks of Chelsea being interested in signing him. Just moving on to the forwards now, as an Arsenal fan, I have to throw Bukayo Saka's name in there. Uh, Southgate seems to, to like him, and I'm not surprised because I, you know, if you watch him week in, week out like I have, he's a quality, quality player up there with Foden in terms of the two best youngsters in the Premier League this season. And then another player from Germany, Bellingham's teammate, Jaden Sancho um, at Dortmund. I think he... Obviously, Kane is someone I'm not mentioning, but along with Kane is going to be pivotal in terms of unlocking defenses. So, Joe, what do you make of some of these surprise inclusions or surprise exclusions from the squad? And, and where do you think that maybe England's team has issues? I mean, like you said at the start, the three goalies we've got, none of... I mean, Pickford has been good in the past, but he's had a pretty shocking season. Henderson would probably be my number one, but I'm not that mad about him. He didn't even play that much this season. He's capable of a big error, but probably the best of the three at the moment. Sam Johnston, you know, good for him. He's made the squad, but yeah, he's a he's probably the third choice goalie out of those three. Um, obviously, we've got so many fullbacks in the squad. Well, we did. Obviously, Trent obviously sadly got injured, which I think is a real shame. Aaron Wambasaka not being in there is a bit odd to me. Arguably, he's the best from a defensive perspective of all of them. Um, I mean, Carl Walker and Reese James are both really good. Trippier, I know he won La Liga, not so sure about him. Maybe that's from seeing him play for Tottenham and seeing him make quite a lot of mistakes. But, you know, he scored that good free kick for England, so maybe, maybe he'll do the job again. Um, I mean, going into... We've got some good uh, midfielders. I mean, Jude Bellingham 
is pretty exciting and he's so young so maybe he can be the kind of Wayne Rooney in terms of creating excitement as a youngster at the Euros but um, it's our attacking options where it's just outrageous when you think of the options we've got we've obviously got Harry Kane up front Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Rashford Sterling that doesn't even include Saka who's like you said been one of the best young players this season so I mean we're almost We've almost got too many choices. I don't know if that makes it more difficult when you have so many great players at your disposal, but you'd like to think that Southgate can, between a few of those names, make something happen. Then obviously it's home advantage for us. So we're playing all our games at Wembley. I mean, if that's not going to help us, I don't know what will. And you, Is there a little hesitation in your voice about, about this, this game on Sunday? I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I've... I think in the past, when an English side has played a Croatian side, I've incorrectly said the English team will win. But this is international football. I think we're going to get on to Croatia. I don't, I don't think you're the force you were um, at tournaments of past. So oh, I, Absolutely not. Yeah. We're going with low expectations, my exactly. friend. And I feel like, I feel like yeah, it's, it's probably a good, a good time to play your first game of the tournament. Hopefully, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. It could work. All the pressures on you guys. All yeah. the pressures on you guys. Yeah, that, that's true. But then, you know, it's a lot of these players, it's their first European tournaments. It's the chance for some of these guys to show off their skills. And yeah, you're hoping the likes of Breathish, Phil Foden with his Gaza inspired haircut now, died, you know, bleached. What's up with that? What, what's he doing? It's, what a is tri- that? it's the tribute to Paul Gascoigne from Euro 96. He did it at that one. So, you know, ho- hopefully he'll play like Gascoigne did on the pitch. Um, we'll see. Um, it, looks like, it looks like a backstreet boy. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. He does. He does. He definitely does look like a backstreet boy. But, yeah, Kai, is there, is there any, um, any of the young players in particular you're, you're most looking forward to from the England team? I think uh, Foden and Saka, I, you know, because he's a City player, I'm kind of inclined to not really like Foden, but because he is a generational talent in terms of England and football, I can't help but like the guy. He's so good. He's so incredibly good. I think he massively underwhelmed in the Champions League final, um, which was a bit of a shame for him personally. And I think he'll probably, seems like quite a hungry hungry young guy so I'm sure he'll be keen to kind of make amends for that at the Euros and speaking of Backstreet Boys I think when we recorded with uh, Anthony Costa from the boy band Blue and we subjected him to boy bands made out of um, footballers Foden made it into my into my boy band so I think that the uh, the Backstreet Boys comparison is is an apt one otherwise Ante what are your thoughts on this current England team I know you said it sounds like the pressure is all on us yeah I mean you have great individual talents Great. In the, we talked about Foden had a great season at City. You have you have Sterling, you have your Canes, you have your Rashfords. But this is one thing that's always interested me about English football is. And from what I've heard of all from all my my English mates is that it's club before country. And that's why there's always a, a, a cohesiveness missing when England gets to the tournament, they have all these great talents, but can they glue it all together? Can, can, um, you know, can all these players pull together? So, you know, you've had your Lampards, your, your, your Roonies, um, um, your Gerards and, and that generation of, of fantastic players. And then they always fall short um, at tournaments. So, so I'm, I'm curious what happens to this because I think there's le- a, a bit less ego. I'm a big Mount fan. I think he's a great personality and he's a great player. And you saw what he did with Chelsea this year. I'm wondering if, if they can, if, if Southgate can, 
kind of tone down that ego because there is less ego, I think, on this team. And I think you guys can make a, a, a quarterfinal, semifinal run. I don't see I don't see you guys close to the final. I think Portugal and, and France are uh, are I think for, I think France is going to win the whole thing again. Um, I'm just wondering if you guys have that cohesiveness, but if you lose to Croatia at home at Wembley, this is basically a home tournament for you guys. I think you only have to leave for the round of 16 in the quarterfinals to Rome. And then the semis and the finals are back at Wembley. It's basically a home tournament. You're hosting your own home tournament at Wembley after COVID. That's why I said the pressure's on you guys. If, if you lose to us and we are not, we are probably at our lowest peak that we've been in, in a decade. Um, you know, the English media, the English media is going to do what the English media does. And I don't want to be there for that. So um, um, I think we're going to we're going to give you a fight. Um, we're going to give you a fight. But I'm just curious which English team shows up. I mean, you like I said, you have great individual talents, but you know you have to get that cohesiveness. You have to get that glue. When I've talked to all my all my 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 pros and my professionals in Croatia, I'm starting to understand what it means. They they say luck. You need a little bit of luck in these tournaments. But what they really mean is momentum. Momentum's a real thing. It's a real living thing in the locker room. And I think the country, like I'm going to compare Croatia and England because we both met in the semifinals of the 2018 um, World Cup. It's when it's a living, breathing thing and, and you hear from the media and, and, and the fans are kind of, it's, it's, you're feeling it and, and you're riding it. Um, you know, I think that's what they mean. And, and you have to get on that train. So you can't get off to a slow start or, or a, a squabble in the locker room. And that's what I mean about Southgate managing egos because these guys know how to play footy. There's, they know how to play. You're not going to teach them anything they don't know already, but how do you manage those expectations and how do you manage those egos? Do you, do you have the talent to go to the final? Absolutely. 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 But you know, it's easier said than done. So I'm interested just as you are to see what happens on England. But I think right now, you, you know, what, what was it? One nil against Romania and a friendly with a PK um, I mean, I can't tell who's playing possum here. I think we're playing possum to be, I think we're absolutely playing possum. Um, I think England's been trying to get their, their, their glue, right. Cause you know, you, you're right. Kai and Joe, do you have too many players to pick from? And that's also a problem. So we'll see, you guys are going to need your, your standout guys. You know, if, if Grealish can do what Grealish can do and up his value and then he goes to a top four club, like this is his time. Sterling is Sterling. Kane's going to get a couple goals, but guess what? He's not playing against Panama anymore, folks. This isn't Panama. He's not going to score eight goals against Panama at the World Cup. So I'm interested. It could go, it could go, it could go anyway. It could go either, either way. And I'm interested, interested to see what happens on Sunday. Oh yeah. I think we all are. And yeah, I'm sure Kane's going to get his first goal of the tournament on Sunday. No doubt. Probably a penalty. We'll take it um, and, and move on. And just on Grealish, he's the guy that I'm, very much looking forward to at this tournament. He's the guy I think could really pull the strings for England. But let's um, let's talk a bit about Croatia. I know, Ante, you've already said that this is, you know, the weakest Croatia have arguably been in the last 10 years or so. But just tell us a bit about the general squad. How, how does it kind of compare to the um, previous um, Croatia squads we've seen at other tournaments? Yeah, and I'm 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 probably playing a little bit of possum right now. Um, our midfield is stacked as always with our midfield maestro. I'm sure you've heard of him, Mr. Luka Modric. The guy is incredible. 35 years old. He was Real Madrid's Player of the Year this year. Absolutely incredible. We're gonna have uh, Inter Milan's Marcelo Brozovic as our CDM, our number six. 
I mean, he's a top three CDM in the world. Uh, rumors are that we're going to play Chelsea's uh, Mateo Kovacic um, alongside Modric, which I hate because it takes away one of our attacking. I, there's nothing that Kovacic can do that Modric doesn't do already. Um, but I think that's, that's what they're going to do. I think we're going to play possession against uh, England, uh, really slow the tempo down. Um, I think if you can, you know, if I was in the England, if I was in the England locker room, I'd go, you know, you, you go down our flanks with your wings. And I, I think you're going to burn us right now because we have some defensive issues. Um, our weak spots right now is defense. Um, everyone's favorite former Liverpool uh, defender, Dan Lovren, uh, will not be starting against England. Uh, he had a, a bit of a knock. And that pairing with him and, and Vida, who, who played against England, um, we're bringing in uh, Marseille's uh, Duya Chaleta Tzad, who's solid. He was also looked at by Liverpool uh, in the summer. It's always England linked. It's always a premiership link. Um, we're having a left back issue. We don't know who we're going to start at left back. There's this new guy that, that just left Dinamo Zagreb, uh, Joe's favorite club. He's going to RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga. Um, we don't know what we're going to do there. Shima Versalico, who, who plays for Atletico Madrid, he didn't play the past couple months once Kieran Trippier came back from his suspension. So he's not in form. What you need to know is we don't have a striker. We, don't, we are going to greatly miss Mario Mandzukic, who absolutely burned you guys at the, at the World Cup. We don't have a point man. We're probably going to play a false nine. We're probably going to play AC Milan's Ante Rebic up there. Um, but we don't really have a lot of attacking uh, options up front. And, you know, if we can score one goal at Wembley, I'd be happy. But we've been having some scoring, uh, scoring issues as of late. And, um, you know, and, and Croatians are very worried about that. It's funny before the tournament, you're either coming in, flying in high going, we just won three friendlies in a row. But I think Croatian fans and, and supporters and, and English supporters are kind of on the same keel, just a little bit of nervous, which team's going to show up because we can, we can both be playing possum or we can both just, you know, completely fall apart on the field. But I would be worried if Croatia gets a, a goal first at Wembley. Um, especially if we play Kovacic because we'll play a possession game. Uh, we're going to slow the game down for you. Uh, but if, if, if you can catch us on the counter, I think, uh, you know, our, our defense is, is not weak, but new. And there's a lot of communication issues back there. So um, we'll see if, if England's speed comes into play during, during the game on Sunday. We certainly will. And it's, it feels like there's definitely an opportunity for those talented England, English even attackers to really uh, make the most of that. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's, let's talk more about just the match itself, England-Croatia, not just on Sunday, but generally over the last few years. And obviously um, most, well, not we, we played a few Nation Leagues games, but mo- the sort of the we're big... Not count- we're not counting Nations League. We're yeah. not counting friendly. Yeah, Forget yeah, about I'm, it. I'm okay with that too. But yeah, so the most, the most recent one was... Um, the, the, the World Cup semi-final, um, where, of course, Croatia won 2-1. Um, but there's been some other pretty iconic games aside from that one over the years. We had um, we had the 4-2 game in Euro 2004, which we spoke about earlier. There was the, the Wally with the Broly game in 2007, where Croatia stopped us from getting to the Euros. McLaren's last game in the rain at Wembley. Um, we were just speaking before this podcast, of course, England actually then stopped Croatia from going to the 2010 World Cup. We got a few big wins. I think Theo Walcott might have even scored a hat-trick at one point in one of those games against Croatia. So, you, beat us, um, you beat us 4-1 and 5-1 that yeah, qualifying campaign. Yeah, Fabio Capello do, doing the job for us, clearly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's sort of over... Basically, the point is, over the last few years, it's become um, a pretty iconic uh, international game in many ways. So... Um, 
and say how do how do Croatian people feel about this kind of almost English Croatian rivalry that's emerged? Love it, love it. We. We love uh, stopping it from coming home. Oh, if I have to hear that song one time this year, which I know I will, I'm gonna, it's already, I'm getting it from my, <laughs> my, 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 I have a, I have an Irish maid in Dublin and uh, he goes, oh my, if, if I, if, if England wins it and I'm canceling my Sky Sports because that's all they're going to play for the rest of the summer as it's coming home. It's so much fun. You have to remember, you're the mighty UK, you're mighty England, you're the mighty premiership with all the money in the world. It was just an uh, uh, all English Eng uh, Champions League final. Um, and then little old Croatia that, you know, came from a war 20 years ago, has this like, has this refugee Luka Modric Ballon d'Or winner that's going toe to toe with you guys. We love it, baby. We love it. It's so much fun. We love hearing what your media has to say. Um um, uh, English media uh, in 2008 called us an inferior footballing nation. Um, so you should really, you know, you should really call, uh, uh, you know, the Guardian and 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 all and all those places and just tell them to shut up because you're just firing us up. But this is what a rivalry, and it is a rivalry because it's been going back and forth. You guys started it in Euro 2004. You pipped us in group stage. No big deal, just group stage. We denied you Euro 2008. Okay, you denied us our only world cup that we missed in South Africa, 2010, but guess what? Who got the big game 2018 semifinal. We went to the final. It's not coming home, baby. We love it. We love it. Absolutely love it. I think um, all of this uh, bravado from Ante is going to make it that much sweeter when inevitably it does come home uh, in the summer. But uh, moving on to specifically this, this opening game um, that's going to take place on Sunday and I kind of wanted to bring up a couple of uh, individual sort of matchups and some areas on the pitch that we can probably look to keep an eye on. And Ante, you touched on a couple of these as well. Um, but I think we've spoken about the English goalkeepers. Lavakovic, from what I can tell, is likely to be the starter for Croatia on Sunday. And he's quite an eccentric keeper who on his day can, you know, either be your hero or your villain. So this is also his first major tournament as well you know gone is is Subasic and um, Pletikosa and stuff like that so I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on and then you referenced um, uh, Lovren everyone's favorite former Liverpool centre-back David Lovren's not going to be on the day playing at centre-back so it's up to Vida and co against Kane and I think you know Vida's quite a specialist defender so on his day he could kind of mark Kane out of the game but I I just wonder if if England are the ones playing possum and actually maybe we'll show up to this tournament with a less one-dimensional attack than we've had in the past. In which case, if you guys are too busy marking Kane, I think that, you know, there's players like Rashford, like Sterling, like Sancho, like Grealish, like Foden, who might cause you some trouble. Um, I think on the plus side for Croatia with Modric and player like Kovacic and Brozovic as well, if they're in there, you very easily could kind of control that midfield battle and play a possession game against us, which will, you know, largely dictate how the game plays out. And then another thing you talked about was the forwards. You've got Petkovic, you've got Kramaric, Mandzukic isn't there anymore. It seems like, as you said, you might end up playing with more of a false nine, someone like a Rebic, relying on players like him and Perisic for goals, kind of as you've done in the past, rather than having that that focal point, a target man, or, or just kind of fox-in-the-box player. So... Ante, am I underestimating Croatia or from what I've been saying, does it look like the odds are in England's favor? Your analyses have, uh, have been very well. I'm very proud of the homework that you've done. 
Um, no, I mean, I, I think um, I think it'd be a success for a Croatia to get a draw at Wembley. Like I said, we pipped you last three years ago at the World Cup. I think you owe us one in this uh, in this almost uh, you know every two year rivalry that we have. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. This is this is the thing we were talking about off camera though is you don't want to finish first in this group, which is absolutely bizarre to me, but it is. If first place in this group will play second place in the France, Germany, Portugal group, which is the ultimate group of death that I've ever seen. I've never seen a group of death like that. You have the reigning Euro champions, the reigning World Cup champions with Germany. Absolutely insane. So whoever wins our group has to play one of those teams in the round of 16, where if you finish second, you're going to end up playing a Sweden or a Spain in the round of 16, much more comfortable run. And as you know, in the World Cup, I hate saying, oh, you want to aim for second place because you want to just go, you know, balls to the wall and play your best footy and win every game. But I said this at the at the 2018 World Cup. I, I preached it for a year once the draw came out. We didn't want to play France in the round of 16. And if we would have finished second in our group, we finished on top of Argentina we would have played France instead, you know, we played Denmark on the easier side of the draw alongside England. So I don't even, do I care that we, if we lose to England? Absolutely. I don't want to lose, but the the main thing is winning the tournament, putting you in a position to win the tournament. So you're aiming for second place, which is absolutely bizarre even before the tournament kicks off. But that's why I hate this, uh, this 2014 tournament. It was so much purer in 2012 when we had the the 16 team tournament it was it's the hardest tournament in the world and if you add if you add brazil and argentina to it it's basically a more prestigious tournament than than the world cup you know there are no panamas and tunisia's boys that are uh, that, that 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 are going through group stage as, as the english know so i think it's a win-win if, if we beat this is my thought if we beat england at wembley at a, in a euro championship wow absolutely incredible we did it again if we draw i think both sides would consider that a success and if we lose eh, big deal we'll take care of scotland and, and check and move on from there so it's a it's a win-win-win for croatia i think on the momentum that you were talking about um england really have to win a draw is not particularly acceptable if, if they're going to get any win behind their sails in terms of going far in this tournament but i still think good luck to any team that is strategizing coming lower down the group to end up playing against Spain potentially because they're aside not to be underestimated at any international tournament. Ooh, finish up. Are you big on are you one big are you big on Spain this tournament? I think you can't avoid how many great players they have um they're they're not a bad side. We'll see. Let me let me ask you guys this who is your dark horse of the tournament? I I'll I'll jump in with either Belgium or Italy. Having okay. said that if Portugal can be considered a dark horse, I would I would also put them in there. You cannot call the reigning Euro champions a dark horse. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. What about you, Joe? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, Portugal, I, I think they might win it, but they're not a dark horse. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would say Belgium, actually. I feel like they've kind of, this is their, this is their current golden generation's last chance. I don't think they'll do it. I don't know. What's, what's up with the Bruyne skull? Is he alive? Is he okay? I, yeah, I'm not sure. Knows, I, I don't know if it's a bit of a Harry Maguire situation. They're just sort of bringing him along for the ride and just hoping he's, 
he's okay at some point. Maybe this he'll, he'll he'll be fine. It was it's concussion protocol. It wasn't his nose. It's the doctors won't clear him for a concussion. God, yeah. I mean, doesn't sound doesn't sound good for the Belgians, does it? But I mean, um, yeah, it's very. It's, I feel it's very. I think partly what's so great about the Euros is it feels like it's always so open. I don't. I, yeah, it's very hard to really put your finger on it for this one. I mean, maybe I don't know. I'll throw out, and I don't think they'll. But G- Germany, they obviously had a terrible World Cup. They they don't normally have two bad tournaments in a row, so that'll be interesting to see how they do. There we go. It's tough for Germany because they can they can Early finish. Death, yeah. I I'm going with I'm I'm my side my side country always has been the Dutch. That's kind of who I root for outside of Croatia because they're just fun and yeah, and, Am- and Amsterdam's a fun city. So how can you not? You know they ride bicycles a lot. Like how can you not like the Dutch? But but. Italy's my dark horse. They didn't make the World Cup in 2018. Um, they are on a 27 match unbeaten streak. Do you guys know that? They were doing well. I didn't know they were doing that well. But... 27, and I think they're going to fly under the they're they're going to fly under the radar. Um, but yeah, okay, I think we agree on that. And th- I have to ask you this. I know I'm, I know I'm going off script. I got to ask you this. Who wins the whole thing? I I think Portugal have a very quietly impressive group of players with the likes of Ruben Diaz, Bernardo Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes. Um, I think what it's probably going to be Rui Patricio in goal. Who's just like an ever present, just like solid tournament goalkeeper. Um, even possibly Jose Font, if he's still in the squad, just one league in, in, in France. So they've got like some players coming off of some pretty good form and, and they've got Cristiano Ronaldo. So that doesn't hurt. Are yeah. you going Portugal? I mean, the consensus comes down to two teams. That's that's why I want to pin well, you guys. Port- Portugal and France, we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i sort of leaning more towards Portugal as well, a bit like for the reasons Kai said. Actually, when you look through their team, they've got some seriously impressive players. Firepower. Firepower across the board. But what about – I mean, I'm going with France. I'm going with France. It's basically a coin flip, and that that – who's not watching that group stage match? Oh, my oh, yeah. goodness. But I'm going with France. They've been heavy. They made the final in France five years ago. They won the World Cup uh, three years ago, as you know. But France won it in 98. And then who won Euro 2000? France. France. You're right. Actually, there you go. I they're see gonna, where you're going with this. They, they, they pull a back-to-back. They're not going to do anything for two more, 20 more years. And then they'll pull another back-to-back in 20 years. At, at, at World Cup UK. World <laughs> Cup UK. Well, it'll be good to see uh, Benzema lining up for France uh, as well for the first time in a long time. He got hurt. Is he okay? He got hurt in that friendly. Oh, no. I hope he's all right, because I want to see Benzema versus Ronaldo, uh, old teammate. Maybe we might see him. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Well, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be keeping uh, tabs, uh, tabs through text, because uh, it, it's tournament time. Um, I'm not wishing you guys any luck, but I hope, I hope for no injuries. But uh, I want to keep, uh, keep this rivalry Keep this rivalry going because this is this is fun. There's nothing there's nothing like going toe to toe with the with the with the English and with the Brits. Well, you were speaking about Euro 2000 and France's triumph. I don't think that these questions from this game are going to span that far back. But I do have yeah a quick little game for Joe and Ante to play. It's our very own preview of England versus Croatia in that sense, if you will. I am going to ask you guys about historical stats and moments from Euro tournaments of the past and. We're going to see who gets more of them correct. The name of the game is, are you sure about that? 
Um, nice. Well thank done. You. Thank you. Well for, done. I think you're the winner of this you. game already. <laughs> yeah. Question one. Do we like the name? No. Question one. Are you ready, guys? I think we'll discover if there's a lag. And if there is a lag, then maybe I'll have to alternate the questions. But as it is, just if you have the answer, say it first. Which 18-year-old scored twice when Croatia met England at Euro 2004? Okay, Joe was in there first with Rooney. Uh, Ante, what was the score that day? That score was 4-1, I believe. I think it was it was 4-2, but that wasn't actually part of the quiz. I just wanted to just wanted to see if Ante remembered the score from that day. <laughs> but uh, I forget. I forget when you when you thump us, you thump us because in, in World Cup qualifying you got us five one and four one. So mm -hmm. one, once you get past three goals, I I tend to for, forget. I erase it from my brain. Yeah, Joe and I haven't forgotten that one. Uh, moving on to number two, who was the top scorer at Euro two thousand four? Ooh, that Euro is Milan Barros. Yeah, Joe. Joe yeah, added check for check. Memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Milan Barros just went crazy at that tournament and scored some great goals, including I think a lob against uh, the Netherlands that were, was very impressive. I was gonna say it wasn't any Greek player because I think they scored three goals that whole tournament. Yeah, and managed to come out winners. Crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy, crazy tournament. So I guess Joe's two up at this point. Moving on to yeah. the next question. All right, so this next player, he'll be close to both of you, but for different reasons. Who scored Croatia's opening goal at both Euro 2008 and Euro 2016? Euro 2008 and Euro 2016, it was Mr. Luka Modric. He scored that center from outside the box against Turkey, 1-0 game. And then he scored a penalty kick against Austria, I believe, in that opener. All right, so... Ante's back in it. It was, of course, Luke. You know that, Joe? Did you know that, Joe, or no? Um, I was, I was wondering if it, for some reason, in my head, I thought maybe Cranshaw, but then that was stupid because 2016, like, where would Cranshaw be then? But no. I remember yeah. now you've said it. I remember that Modric goal, um, that brilliant that, goal, Yuri 2016. It was that stunner, and a fan comes, a fan painted in checkers on his face comes down with the celebrates with the team. I don't know how he got on the field, but secu <laughs> security at these tournaments are are Terrible. are laughable mm -hmm. all right on to number four this player will also be close of you uh for the same different reasons as the last question it's who scored the first goal in croatia's 3-2 victory over england at wembley in 2007 that we spoke about it was oh, that was crunchard that one was the, it was the bouncer against it was carson was in net i believe mm -hmm. scott carson carson was in net and then Olic scored that goal from from Eduardo da Silva. Beckham had that beautiful cross to Peter Crouch, and then and then we all know what Mladen Petric did in the second half. That that was a fun game for a qualifier. That was an incredible game. Well, from, from, mad, my, yeah. from my perspective, <laughs> it was absolutely crazy that yes. game in the pouring rain. With me, oh God, bad memories for England. McLaren, oh man, after just him with the umbrella <laughs> when. Very iconic image, not for the right um, reasons. Yeah, pretty depressing in the end on our end of things. All right, so that's 2-2. Two, two. I've got a couple more questions. And here we go. Despite not advancing beyond the group stage, which Croatian striker was one of six players to finish as joint top scorer at Euro 2012? Mario Mandzukic scored three goals that tournament. Jelovic. It was Mandzukic. Nobody scored more yeah. than, than three goals. So you're correct, Ante, in that Mario... Four, four, 
there was four score. there was four or five players that tournament that scored three goals and i think it did it go it went to a spaniard i think who had assists so something was it that makes yeah. sense i wonder who that would have been uh avid via or something like that but anyway maybe that rings a bell i think it was a spaniard Hey, I'm 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 beating Joe on his on his oh, podcast for, for for the first time ever. Uh, here's the last question. This has to be an English question. Ante is either gonna win or it's gonna be a tie. Just like at Wembley on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it replicates. So here we go, guys. Who finished as top scorer in qualifying for Euro 2020? Harry Kane. Boom. Joe as steals draw. Yeah, he got 12 goals. 12 goals. How many penalties? How many penalties? 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 Probably 10, to be honest with you. Um, He's the English English Bruno Fernandez, man. (laughs) Well, we'll take that. We'll take that on Sunday. A few penalties. We I don't think anyone that's English will be complaining, but we'll see. Hey, speaking of Bruno Fernandez and and penalties, did you guys watch the Europa League final penalty kick live? Yeah. I've never seen a penalty kick shootout like that. that yeah, that yeah when it sad. comes back to the goalkeepers, it's it's pretty good entertainment for the neutral. Poor De Gea, man. Poor De Gea. I know you guys hate him because he's a he's a United guy, but poor guy. A little a little bit of my heart, my Croatian heart goes out to him. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does um, bring us to the end of today's podcast. So, as always, a big thank you to my co-host Kaitel, and of course, a special thank you to our number one guest, Ante Kovacic. So, Ante, we we obviously love having you on the show, and we hope you've enjoyed being a guest again. But for anyone that might be listening to you for the first time, how can they follow you and kind of follow everything that's going on with Croatian sports? Yeah, if you want, if we're gonna have a full analysis coming, you know, throughout Euro 2021. But uh, the website that I run. Uh, founder of CroatianSports.com, right behind me. And then you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, at Croatian Soccer, all one word. Uh, appreciate the plug. And the only thing I have to tell you and, uh, and your English mates out there on Sunday, always be closing, baby. ABC, always <laughs> be closing. There is no try. There is only do. So we will see. And I, I'm looking forward to this game, this ep- another epic game in this rivalry on Sunday. ABC, always be closing, always be <laughs> Croatian. Either way, uh, thanks again, Ante. I, I think the first time we recorded with you, we said we were gonna, we were gonna do this. We, you know, I think the fixtures for Euro had already been announced, and so it's come full circle. We've we've had the conversation about the game. All that remains to be seen is what the result will be on Sunday. So I'll say, good luck to you because I think you're probably gonna need it. But otherwise, good luck for the rest of the tournament in general and with the rest of your endeavors to listeners and viewers we hope that you enjoyed this podcast if you did please do follow or subscribe wherever it is that you found us we are united mates football podcast on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms same name on youtube where you can put some faces to these voices as well and then on social media we're at united mates fp across twitter instagram and facebook please follow us there the website is unitedmatesfp.com and all of the videos and podcasts end up there as well as some great articles so check that out And please subscribe to our newsletter while you're at it. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.